Modesty is often a mean towards the ends of godliness rather than godliness unto itself. Uh, and uh, and you've got to be careful to not define it legalistically. But, but on its own right, yeah, it's not overrated at all. Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony, we're back to business, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So just got some water, not coffee this time, because I had some of the energy drink lemonade from uh, Panera. So I saw you sipping on that. So you feeling focused and boosted? Yeah, probably uh, could have taken two or three. You know, love that caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had some coffee earlier. Actually, um, I've been cutting back on my my caffeine a little bit now. That may change come uh, the end of December. <laughs> my wife is is due, but uh, we'll see. I've been because I'll wait like an hour, hour and a half um, after I wake up before I do it, and I found that I, I drink less. So anyway. Uh, so Tony, it, it is getting colder up there. I see you've got. Is LL Bean located in Maine or is that Cabela's? Famously located in Maine. No, Cabela's I think is like Arkansas, but yeah, the uh, the LL Bean they've got the flagship store, and but more importantly, they've got a uh, outlet store that Tim, Danielle and I really love to go to. So. Okay, yes. I love the outlets when it's actually an outlet, um, not just a, another location that sells yeah. merchandise, but it's actually discounted. Um, that can be great. Um, but yeah, I see you've got your L.L. Bean. Uh, what year was it founded there? I can't, can't. It was founded 19... in 1912. So. Okay, so I see you sporting the, the local stuff because uh, it is getting colder. So, I mean, you're certainly dressed modestly. Um, and generally, when I've known you, you've been a modest dresser, so... Um, I commend you for that. Okay. Tony, have you heard about, and I, I would have had to have said something to you if, if you weren't being modest, um, but did you hear, I think there's a little bit of a online kerfuffle. That's where like all the, the things happen. It's not in real life. It's people online getting mad, but uh, you know the singer Matthew West, which we actually, we just recorded a podcast about Christian music. Um, Matthew West, who is a contemporary Christian recording yeah. artist. Okay. Um, so he wrote this song and filmed it, I think, during COVID or something with his wife and his daughters. And it was a parody song, and it was talking about modesty. And so the chorus went like this. Modest is hottest. The latest fashion trend is a little more Amish, a little less Kardashian. What the boys <laughs> really love is a turtleneck and a sensible pair of slacks. Honey, <laughs> modest is hottest sincerely your dad and he's it's you know i've watched actually he pulled the video because people got upset about it um out in the world then apparently the church people got mad at him for not standing up for what he believed he said like i just don't want to subject my daughters to all this and so i'm pulling this down um but i I was able to see part of the video because some 
lady who I, I take not to be a Christian um, was showing it like on her screen and commenting on it. And um, it did not it, – she was wrestling with whether or not it was an actual parody. Um, watching it though, it's pretty clear. It's just even done in like a kind of farcical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I, I saw him in an interview saying, yes, it was a parody. And like I make parodies. I like to do that. Ever you know, like people know this. Um, but had were you aware of any of that? I was loosely aware of it, but uh, you know, I and that I, I'm not as much uh, on the Twitter or X as they call it, so you know, I wasn't following that as much. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned the the whatever because the um, the second verse he says, "If I catch you doing dances on the TikTok in a crop top, so help me God, you'll be grounded till the world stops." I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, I mean, the the song is funny. Uh, and it is, you know, hey, we're coming full circle in a lot of ways because we recorded an episode about the Amish just recently. And are we, are we supposed to be like the Amish and withdrawing from the culture? Um, but uh, it does bring to the fore what we want to talk about today about modesty. And because uh, that is a – it's become an issue of discussion you know, you had Josh Harris and him getting rid of the uh, the teachings on dating and stuff like that, and then he just, you know, abandoned everything. Um, but there were other things that went along with that, and the whole purity movement, and uh, um, people that have said they've been harmed. And I think genuinely there are people who were. Um, I know a lot of other people. I don't think they were harmed. They may just not have liked what they heard. Um, so there's there's a lot to that. But uh, do you think modesty is overrated? It's certainly being treated that way uh, lately, especially. So, uh, you know, I, Paul teaches it can be, the Apostle Paul teaches it can be part of our an adornment, uh, you know, uh, I, that this kind of great adornment. And so I don't think an adornment is overrated, but I think it is possible to, wrong, to wrongly make uh, this kind of godliness unto itself or define modesty legalistically. So, you know, I, I think modesty is often a mean towards the ends of godliness rather than godliness unto itself. Uh, and uh, and you've got to be careful to not define it legalistically. But but on its own right, yeah, it's not overrated at all. Uh, yeah, I think that's well said. It's a means towards godliness or a manifestation of it, but it's yeah. not the sum of it. Um I mean, you look at Islamic culture, like really strict Islamic culture. And even, I mean, we have a fair bit of uh, Islamic people in our area. We have a lot of uh, uh, educational things as well as engineering and medical stuff that brings people from Islamic parts of the world. And uh, typically they're not in the full burqa, you know, like where you can't see their face. Um, they, I think it's just a hijab or something like that. I, I forget. I'm not trying to be offensive to people like that. I just don't know all the, the terms because it's not my thing. Um, but, you you know, very often had their hair completely covered and all but their hands, you know, their face and their hands. Um, yeah. But that that's not – I mean you can cover up and still be – have, you know uh, – I mean, like the Pharisees, you know, they were adorned in different ways, and inside they had dead men's bones um, in their heart. So, so why do you think modesty has been so emphasized for females, um, but not for males, in American Christian circles and other religious circles? I mean, I just brought up Islam, and do you think is that a correct emphasis? So, I think 
part of it is is very American. I think in America we have, not just in the church, but broadly, we've had kind of an oversimplified view of gender sexual attraction. I mean, and then I think that actually as much comes from, you know, silly oversimplifications, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus type books, than it comes from anything, you know, any church related. So I think sometimes there's been this kind of hyper assumption that, you know, that women are, you know, women are not attracted to the body, you know, it's about emotions and that, you know, probably there's elements of truth there, but it's not, you know, it's overstated to say the least. Uh, it's not even biblical. I mean, Song of Solomon's, there's a lot of bodily attraction there from a woman. So, And I think some have treated women as being temptresses, or they've even implied there was something wrong uh, with a woman's beauty, or, you know, that a woman's, you know, a white God made certain women uniquely. So, And I think this is, this is definitively wrong, but the solution is not less modesty talk. It's actually more modesty talk, and it, it's more... Uh, that uh, comprehensive modesty talk that that's going to start with understanding that none of us can be responsible for another sin. So what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think refining what do we mean by this instead of just simple rules. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right that there should be some level of recognition that arousal and desire between men and women are not identical. Though, I mean, I've heard of some studies that are showing that, that women do have higher levels of visual arousal or, or uh, whatever that than maybe is often thought. It's still, I think if you talk to most men and women, there is a difference. I mean, there yeah. is something to be said that there, there are differences there. Um, also, men have had the power, and I mean, there's been plenty of cases, in even in Christian circles, like, hey, cover up, cover up, cover up. In Islamic circles, they didn't play around. They really meant cover up, um, yeah. and, and they were in charge. Um, but I think you know, emphasizing a form of equality uh, in, in this context would be good, and, and enforcing those. If, you, if you're in a situation where rules are called for um, and rules have to be dealt with, then to have it for both sides, not say, well, hey, girls, y'all need to be modest and do this and that, and then the boys are doing yeah. – the exact same things, and then no one's even drawing attention to it. Um, <clears throat> that can that can create some problems. So, what message do churches or you know Christian schools or I, I don't really know. I mean, you know, your kids go to a public school, so I mean, it changes as they get older and their bodies start changing more. But um, what kind of message do churches and things like that in, in Christian culture uh, send? when they overemphasize female modesty to the exclusion of male modesty. It's not even a category. Yeah. I, I think we can act like uh, women are responsible for male sins. I, I think that is 100% what can happen when we do, you know, focus only on the woman issues versus the male aspect. And that, that is terrible. That's unbiblical. That's dangerous. And, and you know, it's been criticized that, that uh, evangelical Christianity creates a rape culture. And I don't think it does unto itself, but I am sure that if we treat women as responsible for male male lust, that that definitely creates a rape culture. Uh, yeah, and those are two different things. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean, there's data out there to show that, that it doesn't create that, but not yeah. to say that it hasn't happened in some contexts. Yeah. So, so, and exactly. I think we can imply part of God's creation is shameful in that, which is really not great at all. I mean, it's it almost treats. I mean, God created. 
the female and the male body and all aspects of it. It was not an accident. You know, male and, and female, yes, there was no sex before the, uh, there was at least probably only one couple having sex. We don't know how that worked before the fall. I mean, there was no sinful sex for sure before the fall. But, you know, even our sexuality, you know, our, our anatomy is God created. And there's nothing shameful or nothing wrong with that. And then we can kind of effectively treat it as if it is. Uh, and we can even add more shame to women who are, uh, you know, visually stimulated when we do this. So we can, when we have this attitude, what we end up doing then is the women that are likewise, you know, that like some men, the women that, that really care about the physical appearance and notice it and struggle with the temptation of it, they feel like there's something dirty or wrong with them and the fact that they're, you know, that this is a battle they have and they don't talk about it. And, you know, or even I think it could lead to almost a mentality that they're not quite right in their gender because of these stereotypes. And those things just are not helpful at all. What would you think, Ben? Well, yeah, I think it can send the message that females just don't lust. That's not something that, that yeah. girls uh, deal with when that's not the case. Now, again, it may look different to some degree, and there's a reason that things like Fifty Shades of Grey were so appealing to women, but again, pornography watching is – just through the roof that the, the rate of increase for women in the last like decade. I mean, it's, it's alarming. Um, so it's not just that men lust and females don't. And it's also not just an, an issue that girls need to deal with. Like only girls need to be modest. Um, and like you said, it's not just that females are responsible for the lust of males. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it could lead to females becoming bitter as well. I think that, that some of the, confusion gender confusion stuff like that identity confusion uh, i didn't think about that but that could be also um uh, an unintended consequence so let me ask you this do females cause males to lust well, I, with I, their immodesty i think i've been pretty clear but I, I will say even more clearly no one can ever ever cause anyone to sin but themselves uh, I mean, it's just frank, and, and no context can we cause somebody to sin. And if, if we believe that we could, we would create significant problems for the ministry and life of Jesus because Jesus could have been, you know, had everything in his ministry undone by Satan, by somebody tempting him to sin. So uh, I, I think females and males can absolutely provide temptation, and they can fail to be their brother's keeper. Their sister's keeper. That can happen, but that's mm -hmm. not at all uh, causing one to sin. And and I, I think this distinction here matters. Uh, you know, it is it is a very important thing to make clear that there is a difference between tempting somebody to sin and causing them to sin. What do you think, Ben? Uh, yeah, I think that's a is an important distinction to make as clear as you can. Um, cause no, but be a means to or give a pathway or an on-ramp to, well, yes. And, and you can say that in a lot of contexts. Um, I mean, in a context of a relationship, you sinning against someone repeatedly may provoke them, stir up in them. I mean, like, take Colossians 3. Um, Paul tells fathers not to, to uh, embitter or to not um, – I forget the word he uses, um, but basically don't stir up your kids and uh, – yeah, don't embitter them so that they won't become discouraged. 
Well, if yeah. they choose to become discouraged, that, again, that is their responsibility, but you can be a party to that. And so don't take those steps that are going to embitter them and uh, being a hypocrite and different things like that. So what we do to others does affect them, and but we may share some in the guilt even if they do sin. I, I have seen and, and heard this argument kind of put up in the face of the purity culture stuff. Um, women saying, well, you know, it's men's fault. They just need to take responsibility for themselves. And, you know, you, you just girls, you just wear what you want to wear, do what you want to do. That's not the pendulum swing that, that we want to have. And, and fallen human nature just has trouble finding the place that we need to be. It's not always right in the middle, but we just overreact to the last overreaction. And um, yes, Men need to take responsibility, and, and women need to take responsibility uh, both for themselves but also thinking how can I uh, love others. So, no, we don't cause others to sin. By the way, I um, want to note I think a failure to be clear on this has caused so many issues of that in the evangelical church. I think both in the shame in this but also, you know, I will tell you, and it's a biblical counselor. I mean, this is something we have to make very clear. I, I mean, I, we all know the married couple, and they probably are influenced by that kind of shame thing. That says, you know, I'm angry because, you know, she doesn't cook dinner, have dinner ready when I come home, right? So, or this, that, or the other. But the Bible, I mean, James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fight among you? And not that your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask that so i think clearly that that says the reason why the men lost is is not that because they don't want to lust and then a woman comes by their way a, a man lusts because he's got a heart problem and that a woman's not helping him but a man lusts because he's a heart problem uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that passage is so helpful. And so it's not just these desires are at work or they are in you, but they are at war. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they are uh, aggressively trying to get what they want. <clears throat> uh, and, and so, I mean, that can be flipped to a woman going, I'm going to show you, I can wear whatever I want. I'm liberated. And, and this, you know, and sometimes that ends up just being this ironic objectification of themselves. Yeah. Uh, not every case, but anyway, likewise, I a heart problem. So. Was that likewise a heart problem? Uh, likewise, yes. Um, this assertion of the self, I will get what I want. Um, so, how much do differences in male and female visual arousal and attraction? I think you used the word stimulation earlier. Um, how much do they matter when approaching this discussion about modesty? Yeah, I probably would have answered this differently five or ten years ago, but I'd probably say probably not as much as people assume. Uh, and and even, you know, from what I understand, even about, I mean, seeing that, seeing how young people, young women, aren't, don't really hide it as much, their visual stimulation, I, I don't know that it's because that they've changed. I think maybe it's even because there's kind of not the shame associated with recognizing that that doesn't mean what they're doing is okay but I, I think clothing can be designed though around how men and same-sex attracted women examine a woman's body though uh, and that I think that does matter in approaching a modesty because that, probably that's less the case than with males apart from a uh, particularly immodest pastor that was in New York City for a while uh, but uh, general I don't know if you know the story but uh, for another time but legitimately i mean you do see i mean there is 
a fashion movement of women's clothes being designed to highlight what people are sexually appealed uh, by in a woman's body. Uh, and even if there is some truth of men's, you know, that kind of the male eye in that way, we, we must hold men to a higher standard, though, with that. So I, I think this does exist to some degree, but probably not as much as I used to believe. But what do you think, Ben? I don't know that I can give just a straight, you know, soundbite, but I think you can't deal without modesty without being aware that there are differences. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what you said. Yeah, I mean, women's garments in particular, it's not like that it accentuates their their arms or something. <laughs> um, and so there there is an awareness uh, of of that, that even by the clothing designers. Um, but yeah. How that exactly works out, that's a lot harder, but you have to be aware there's some level of difference. So let me ask you this. Is modesty even definable as like this specific standard, like, you know, wear this, don't wear that, this is righteous, this is not? Um, or in other words, is it objective or is it subjective? And if there is this definable standard, what are some guidelines that can help us? So – yeah, that, it's, a, it's a tough Tell question. Tell the women and the men what they can wear, Tony. Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> I, I think it will be contextual to a degree, clearly. But the connection of arousal to chest uh, and sexual anatomy, I, I think, is is mentioned in Scripture, uh, is referred to. And I think it, it does seem to be fairly universal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I understand that people bring up, you know, African cultures and stuff like that. But even there, I've heard it's significantly overstated how unsexualized it is. And it's more uh, a reality that uh, of, of a different approach to sexuality in a way. But I, I think in some cases, less coverage is acceptable because of, you know, widely recognized climate or practical realities. I mean, I don't think it should surprise us that, for example, that, uh, you know, that woman in, you know, the tropics, and there are places where women in the tropics might dress, you know, that dress with less on. They probably wouldn't, you know, wear a burlap sack or, you know, something that the Duggars would wear uh, just because the reality of, you know, or even if they have to work in the fields as, as some women do. Uh, and so I think there's going to be some understanding of that contextually and even based upon what people do for work. You know, I would generally encourage being conservative, uh, regardless of what culture you're in, you know, conservative to your culture, but clothes that highlight or fail to conceal uh, the things that I mentioned before are, to me, pretty definitively not modest. I mean, especially clothes that intentionally highlights sexualized area. I, I think that's not there. Frankly, I mean, there are clothes we all know. I mean, we are all aware of fashion shows of, you know, celebrity galas, Met galas, you know, where there are women that were clothes that there's no you know, practical benefits for the way in which they were revealing. It's actually, it's clearly the end unto itself is towards being unmodest. And I think that is a pretty universal problem. I, I do think it's pretty easy to tell if your culture regards things that th certain things as sexual. Uh, and, uh, you know, where, for example, there are some cultures that would regard things like upper arms, upper legs, or even the back as suggestive 
as suggestive mm-hmm. to kind of kind of open the mind up for imagination. Some cultures kind of have that connection, but I think honestly, it's pretty easy to tell if your culture does that. I, I think in a way, you know, recognizing porn is kind of like the nature of porn, where it's you know that a, a judge said, I you know I can't give you a definition, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> I know right? it so. when I see it. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so talking about the Amish uh, earlier, you know, the Weird Al thing, like in the video, there's, have you seen the video? Yeah. Uh, the Amish Paradise. Yeah. So these yeah. boys are looking at this, you know, like Amish porn magazine and it's got this lady like showing her ankle or something. And they're like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, and it, so I think, it, I think that makes the point, though, it is there's a high level of subjectivity when it comes yeah. to this. I, I heard a story of someone uh, who knew a missionary in uh, Southeast Asia, I believe, and it's a culture where they don't wear much at all. And uh, the missionary, I think it's from America, um, told this, this guy who was telling the story, he said, you know, if I go around on horseback with a shirt off, that would not cause really any stir. But if I walked around in blue jeans, I would be afraid for my safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, some of it is, is how things are viewed. And But yeah, I mean, you, you made uh, some really good points in there. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 22 to 24, um, on the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker and are indispensable. He's talking about this in the, in the context of spiritual gifts, um, but using this as an analogy. But And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, uh, which our respectable parts do not need. He's talking about like our private parts. Yeah. We, we cover them up and show them honor in that way. It's just sort of like this recognized, and in most cultures, uh, this is this is what we do. Um, now, just because certain parts are to be covered doesn't necessarily mean, though, that, you know, the more the better, like we're in Saudi Arabia. So if, if some is good, then the, the most we possibly can do is, is what we should do. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a high level of subjectivity here. And I think you got to get to the question of motives and function. And like you said, the climate, I, I mean, that matters. Like, the, you know, Inuits or they're not going to be running around in bikinis probably um, for obvious reasons. Um, But uh, yeah, so this is, it's a, it requires wisdom. It's like so many things. And I think we, maybe we've talked about this, you know, when we've hit record, I think pretty confident we've talked about it when we were not recording, but in American Christianity and maybe another context, there can be just sort of this, um, I don't want to have to think hard about this. Just, Mm -hmm. okay. Tell me, Tell me the things to do and I'll do them. Yeah. But I mean even like Jesus faced that uh, in John 6, where he, the day after he has fed the 5,000, uh, the the Jews come following him and you know he tells them to, to do the works of God or something. And they're like, okay, just tell us and we'll do it. Yeah. Like no big deal. I mean it's like the, the works unto eternal life or something. I can't remember the exact phrase. But it's like, yeah, just tell us and we'll do it. Um, and so this takes wisdom, though, to sort through the different issues involved and, and how do we do this? And yeah. Um, yeah. So how I, much is way, modesty I, culturally conditioned or dependent? It's kind of a follow up yeah. and related to the last one. Yeah. But um, no, and I think this relates to it. I want to caveat my answer by saying, you know, it just did come to my head. I actually do remember I talked with him, a missiologist one time, and he did say, you know, sometimes he wasn't talking about modesty, but he was kind of talking about, you know, the, the false assumptions that we have. And I think 
people to to negate the modesty thing that they want to support kind of an imagination where you know people in kind of the middle of nowhere very very poor areas of the world where they generally dress like like would be in a national geographic magazine from like the 1940s uh but but he said the reality is you know what they're wearing they're wearing the they're wearing a t-shirt for a team that lost the super bowl three years ago right uh, (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, legitimately, like those go to those places. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, no, that's, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, but uh, so in terms of the actual question, uh, you know, I think there certainly exists, uh, even within a region of a country, some degree of, you know, that culturally conditioned things. You know, uh, I mean, that. I mean, the reality is even we li- I live in Maine and, you know, I think that the definition of modesty in Maine and Miami are going to be very different. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that's even much of an issue in January. <laughs> you do that Will Smith, uh, welcome to Miami. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably die if you dress like that in Maine in January. <laughs> Uh, self-preservation and i think the universal aspects of this should not just be about not seeing the skin you know i i think there's ways and there's clothing that can be made that can be made in such a way that that helps someone's imagination let's just say Uh, i mean Mm -hmm. we we talk our family for example the uh we we all wear that we all generally wear like one piece bathing suits. I mean, I wear a swim shirt. I try to make sure my that my whole is it a one piece with your shorts? No, it's not. But generally, <laughs> but you know, generally the idea is the one piece idea. But you know, the reality is that there are one piece, especially nowadays, there are one piece bathing suits that they cover. But you know, <laughs> they cover in a way that it very much tries to give someone the ability to imagine. Oh yeah. And uh, so I think the universals then relate more to covering core areas. But what is regarded as suggestive or what is regarded as kind of spurring imagination, I think that's really not as much a universal thing. What would you think? Then? Yeah, this is just you have to be really careful here how you talk about it and to be respectful. But culture matters. Climate matters. And I think – and you've discussed this in some other – context before um i don't even remember what we were doing the episode on but uh someone's body type and body makeup matters yeah you know what one person wears and what's suitable may not be across the board uh a female who's curvier or thinner or some guy who's you know swole whatever i mean how that's going to accentuate certain things and um i mean i like my my brother, for instance, my brother is a beast, um, and so he has trouble finding blue jeans, um, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> that, that fit properly. Um, so I, I don't know the effect on on that of all the ladies, but yeah. Um, so, what steps do you think can parents take towards trying to cultivate modesty in their kids when they're young? Yeah. So I, I would say that we need to, from a very early age build into our children a, a desire and a passion to consider others greater than themselves. Because to me, I think that's the starting point of the modesty discussion. That's We're not modest because there's something sinful about you know a bikini. Uh, we're modest because we consider others greater than ourselves. Uh, and I think, my, I, I think one thing that, uh, that is important is modeling modesty for them. 
even in the home, uh, you know, and that, that applies to dad and, you know, and, and I think there are times where, you know, I mean, let's be right, especially getting up in the morning that dads can be not the most modest in the household. And so I think it's important for us to do this even. And, uh, the, but, uh, you know, don't buy them those horrible outfits is another thing. Like even at a very young age, oh my goodness. Like, you know, I was at Walmart a couple of weeks ago when I was preparing this podcast and like they were selling, you know, it's actually a couple months ago and they were selling booty shorts for like two year olds and, you know, and people buy them. They think they're adorable and they think it's just fun and precious because of the fact that, and that it's not, not inappropriate at that age. And even, you know, swimsuits that would become a modest when things develop, don't buy that even at those young ages. Uh, yeah, it does start uh, when they're, they're young. I, and I remember this is when we were in high school and Abercrombie and Fitch put out this catalog that created all sorts of cultural uh discussion and i mean there was some pretty explicit stuff in there from what i heard like again uh driving around listening to talk radio with my dad they were talking about it i mean it was giving tips on extracurricular things you could do in the movie theater and how, how exactly to perform that um various things i mean it was very over the line um and i will give abercrombie uh, a backhanded comment here their marketing folks have been very clever to sell clothes without models who wore the clothes. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> but they, they had like underwear and different things for little girls that were said hottie and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that's not cute. Like that, that's sexualizing children. Yeah. Um, and, and so start off kind of in the trajectory that you want to be moving in. Um, I think when you're really young, you pick their clothes for them. <laughs> Um, and I think that just issue deals with authority and teaching them to obey. But as they get older, give them some choices. But you can also limit the pool of those choices. Um, but I really like what you said about it's about teaching them to regard others as, as better than themselves, teaching them to love. Yeah. And so even like when you're dealing with behaviors, um, it's not just don't do that, Johnny. That wasn't nice. It's that wasn't loving. You yeah. know, like let's use some biblical terminology and biblical uh, categories for them so that it uh, – they're hearing this and like, oh, okay, this is helping the rubber meet the road. So how about as the kids start to age, their bodies and their sexual interests begin to develop? Um, what do you think – what do we do there? I mean do we get the uh, the Amish garb out, the turtleneck and a sensible pair of slacks? Uh, you know, what do we do? <laughs> sensible pair of slacks. Yeah, that's a great line. So uh, the I, I think that we should show them – as they get older, we very much should welcome them into the truth of freedom in Christ. But we should show them that the freedom that we have in Christ is something that liberates uh, from shame, but also frees us to actually serve other people. And so as we introduce, as they age, they will want to lean into their freedoms. And that's, there's some sense in which that's okay, but we not need to teach them that very clear teaching we need to have as they age is teaching them what that what freedom is for and for the christian freedom is always for love it's not so that we don't have to love and that's what's been distorted in our kind of egotistical narcissistic culture even around sexuality uh and i think it could be can it is wise to give them rules that you decide even if they're not biblical rules that you decide for you know kids as they age uh, but more so uh give them reasons for why you're giving those rules. Because I think some of the damage of purity culture 
and wrong ideas and modesty has been that, oh, that, uh, honey, how dare you wear that kind of stuff? Or, you know, that, uh, or, you know, trashing people as, you know, that, uh, as trashy and, and gross mm-hmm. rather than actually dealing with the hard issues. And, and I think you can, you deal with the hard issues and then you do give rules for young people in your house. Uh, and I think also another thing that's vital is help them to navigate the way that fear of man plays into this as they get older, because that is, I, I think, a significant part of why young people start to become a modest in the teen years. It's, it's not not just because of you know a desire for that freedom, but it's because they want to be seen as they want to be seen as cool by their friends, and they want to be seen as hot by the other gender. So. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good thing to think about. Uh, I like what you said there. You want to, you're trying to help them have conversations with you and ask them questions and, and help them to think about their motives and, and press their consciences a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and as you said, like our, our freedom that we have in Christ is is a freedom to something, not a freedom from, mm-hmm. at least in this case. We're, we're free to love, not free from caring what anybody else thinks thinks about us like that that's not, not the response like well the boys are responsible or the, the girls are responsible I, hey i can't help it i'm so buff or i can't help it i'm so hot or yeah. whatever um I, we wanted to help them though to think about overall glorify and love god love others and i think it's okay to say yeah let, like let's try to find some clothes that that look nice on you that are flattering to you um i don't think that's a wrong thing <clears throat> There's some also some things to, to think about, though. You know, is this appropriate for the context uh, that you're going to be in? Now, I, I'm kind of interested to hear what you think about this. Um, so Tiffany, my wife, read a book, and, and I read a little bit of it, and we, we had many discussions about it. But they brought up the issue of consent, and, and it was mm-hmm. provocative to me in the sense of – you know, de- depending on like the lady gave an example, if I go into a women's locker room, I'm consenting to see a level of uh, – unclothedness uh, um, and nudity that I'm not consenting to see out at the store. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm openly doing that. Uh, and so again, thinking about, okay, if we're going out to play flag football, uh, there's a certain level. Okay. Is this, this may be a cute dress, um, but is this going to work for me to go play football or is this going to reveal more of me than people are consenting to see? And it really like, this is not what we're here for. Um, and so it did. There's some things in the book that, that drove me crazy, um, but but again, it was thought provoking. I think they did a yeah. good job at putting their finger on some of the problems with the unthinking uh, aspect of some of purity culture, like you said, like how dare you wear that, but not really even having a reason for why. It's just like, oh, this is just not what we do. This is yeah. not what this is the things of which we do not speak, um, rather than having some explanation. Uh, and I think you can do that whether your kid's a believer or not. And just you know, this is how we're going to do things in our house. You're going to have to make those decisions, you know, when you're on your own and you're fully responsible for for yourself. Um, we're trying to give you tools to make those those decisions, and and you know, but you're going to make them. Um, so those are some things that come to mind. Again, it doesn't answer all the issues, but it gives some some guide rails. What Moving, what book was you were you referring to? Uh, what she deserves better is what it's called. Okay. Um, it's written by a mother and a daughter and then someone else, uh, another lady. And so again, some things that were like, yes, absolutely. There's other things that kind of like, ah, and I think they did a good job again at identifying problems. They didn't do as well at sort of saying, and here's a good way forward. Now they did have some things. So I'm not, not recommending this book 
so much as just describing it. Um, they had some helpful exercises at the end of chapters for, for like mothers to have discussions with their daughters, to ask good questions, to give them these scenarios. And I thought that was a wise move. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, but really they, they thought, talk about modesty, they talk about sexuality, I think just teaching, uh, teaching women about their bodies, like the in data they had, a lot of women just didn't even know about how their body basically functioned, um, and, and their sexual organs and this kind of thing. And so anyway, it was, um, it was thought provoking. My favorite thing <clears throat> I've ever read in pure on modesty ever had, was, uh, the modesty chapter and talking back to purity culture by Rachel Joy Vulture. That was fantastic. Right. I've not read it. I've heard you commend it, though. So, um, anyway. so Tony, moving out from an individual family, how can age-graded church ministries help families try to deal well with this issue? Yeah, I think we need to make conscious decisions that we will make sure that we do not re- react in shame. Even when we have to have discussions with people that come, we are not going to, you know, we are not going to regard them as you know that uh, as kind of Jezebel's, uh, mm-hmm. n- nor should we, nor will we ever blame a girl for a guy's sin, uh, mm-hmm. and unfortunately it can happen. I mean, I I'll, I'll tell you that I, I talked to a person that was a youth leader that uh, that that to use boys will be boys, and it was kind of seen as oh whatever, and that kind of language has to be gone from next from age graded youth ministry, uh, age graded church ministries. Uh, but further, mm-hmm. we should be careful, though, uh, about how volunteers dress. I think that's something that's going to be very important and age-graded because it will set a model, an example uh, for the young people. But I, I don't just mean that we just be careful not to show things. I think the reality is that we should be careful that uh, that you know we that we model things that even if somebody with a different body type wore it, it would it would not cause concerns and and it would not you know create a jealousy or frustration because of a different body type uh, and so uh, beyond that uh, I would add help them see that they all get the opportunity of being their brother's keeper you know in the next gen ministry I, I think we should teach often on the beauty that is being our brother's keeper hmm. yeah that's well said um, I, I think you can broaden it out too to address parents directly on these issues um, try to, to help them uh, to address the kids directly, uh, and don't just make this a girl's issue, um, or to give the impression that girls and their bodies are dangerous, because yeah. uh, that can be that you know, uh, the boys are just gonna like you said, their boys are gonna be boys, they're gonna lust, and so girls, you got to cover up to protect them. No, like boys, you you also help the girls. Let's be our brother or sister's keeper, and like we have the the opportunity to love one another. Um, I mean, Christian maturity, sanctification is maturing into the image of Christ, which God is love. And this is the – God proved his love by sending Jesus. And so we're trying to mature people, help them along into that image. And so here's a, a opportunity for you every day as you get dressed. Um, and and some, some cases you get dressed multiple times based yep. on what you got going. This is a way for you to love people. Yeah. Um, and they get to quote uh, Matthew W. – what is it? Matthew W. Smith? Matthew West, Matthew. not Michael. I don't know. They're all these people. Um, he said, uh, <clears throat> "All the parents be saying their prayers that all their girls they'll be wearing more layers." Moms and dads around the world, yeah, they're on their knees. Lord, make them more like Jesus and less like Cardi B. Uh, 
and he, he is right that we should be praying for them to be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, and he does add, no offense to Cardi B, I'm sure she's a really nice girl and Jesus loves her, but I just think, and then he goes into the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, we don't want to hold up models of worldliness as, you know, this, yeah, dressed like this person. Um, I don't know Cardi B from the little bit that I've seen. I'm guessing um, it's not, I'm my brother's keeper. How can I love and regard yeah. others um, from, again, from the, the small sample that I have, but um so as age-graded ministries plan activities, I mean, this is getting really specific, um, which I'm sure you've done in the past, plan activities that require spelling out a dress code, or in some, some people may think that it requires spelling out a dress code. What do you think, how, how do you go about that? What kind of priorities should guide them? Anything that you would add to the, the previous uh, kind of thing? Yeah, just throw them in question. burlap sacks. You know, I think that's probably the easiest. So. <laughs> I, I think I would say have a generally, I think have a posture of compassion and kindness to those who violate them as kind of precursor of giving any specifics. Uh, because I think the reality is that a lot of people who violate these are not going to understand and are not going to see the reasons behind. And if you don't see the reasons behind, then modesty does feel a whole lot like sexism. Uh, but I think we should mm-hmm. make sure then that these are rules that don't become impossible for certain body types. Uh, and and again, I think that can be the tricky thing is that uh, there are times in which, again, that uh, for some women, that some rules I've seen at even camps are just rules that really couldn't be upheld. I mean, Rachel uh, Joy Welcher referred to this in, in her own book on that. Uh, school dress codes, I think, can be a great example, though, honestly. I, I think sometimes with these kinds of things, there's wisdom in following those who those who have who've navigated this on their own. And I think sometimes having kind of uh, the similar dress codes to what, what schools have done effectively uh, and professional guide, those are good professional guidelines. But make sure that what's covered by one piece bathing suit stays that way, in my opinion. I, I think very clearly that whatever rules you make, I would make sure that for both men and women, what would be covered by a woman's one piece bathing suit. Now, there's not men's, well, there, I guess there is, uh, and uh, that uh, stays that way. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that's that's good. I, I think that's yeah. It, it's tied into several things we've said, though. But uh, if you're asking one group to be modest, you should ask the the other group, the other gender as well, um, and not make the because I've, I've I've seen this situation where girls are like, well, what about the boys? They, you know, they say this, but then they're just letting them do whatever, um, and it's hard to not agree uh, that yes, again, there are differences. But it's not like we're talking the differences between dogs and oranges. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about either both animals or fruit or something like that. So um, anyway, again, th- this is a potentially explosive topic that can offend. And I- I'm sure if, if we let enough people listen to this, we will have offended someone. Uh, it certainly was not the intention. But hey, this is going on the internet. And the internet is like the, the – uh, <laughs> offense superhighway. Um, but hopefully this will be helpful in sparking people to, to consider how to help foster love in this particular area in their homes and in their churches um, for God's glory. So yeah. thanks for thinking about this with me, Tony. And um, thanks for being modest today. Your LL Bean sweatshirt. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs>
<laughs> Good discussion, brother. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.